Hello, and welcome to our new podcast series that focuses on key jet fuel trade routes across the globe. In this mini-series, we'll be discussing three key global jet trade routes, Middle East to Europe, Asia to the U.S. West Coast and Latin America, and U.S. Gulf Coast to Latin America and other regions. Today, we will discuss the jet trade flow from the U.S. Gulf Coast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Argus Media, um, which is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity information. My name is Louise Burke, and I'm the Vice President of Aviation here at Argus. And with me today is Wendy Dulaney, who is our U.S. Middle Distance Jet Reporter for the U.S. Gulf Coast, and Michael Connolly, who sits on our freight desk um, and is our freight reporter for the region. Welcome to you both, Wendy and Michael. Thanks, Louise. Great to be here. Thank you, Louise. Good morning. Thanks again to both of you. I think this is going to be a really interesting session. There's always a lot of activity going on in this region, so I'm very keen to hear about your perspective on the jet trade flows and how that affects our key benchmark for the region, the U.S. Gulf Coast Jet Ferro Index and, of course, freight rates. So let's start off with getting a good handle on typical activity in the U.S. Gulf Coast region. Wendy, can you provide us with an overview of who are the key exporters of jet to the region and the main destinations? Hi, Louise. Sure. So for the 12 months before COVID started to really affect jet fuel export demand, we averaged about 6.8 million barrels per month being exported from the Gulf. And that fell dramatically to a minimum in May of only about 700,000 barrels total leaving the Gulf. Typically, our two biggest partners are Mexico and Canada. Mexico is the slightly bigger one. Their average before COVID for the 12 months before was about 1.8 million barrels a month. Uh, Mexico is harder to quantify because they take shipments of fuel by both waterborne and land routes, rail and truck. And they're also a bit more uneven on how much they take all the time. Uh, for example, they took no jet fuel in February, even though COVID had not quite hit. They fell dramatically, but we're seeing maybe some hints of a recovery. Vortex is estimating that in September, Mexico may have demanded around half a million barrels for the month just on waterborne. Um, so we may be seeing some signs of recovery there a little bit. Canada is normally, they're a bit more even trading partner. They take a more regular amount. They normally take about 1.6 million barrels per month. Um, in March and April, that fell off to less than 100,000 barrels per month. But they have also picked up a little bit. Um, we're seeing five to 700,000 barrels per month through June and July. Uh, Vortexa, is, it's a bit hard to tell what's going on with Canada for the last two months, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Panama is our third biggest trading partner. They take about a third as much as Canada or Mexico. Panama is also a bit harder to quantify because they're a storage hub. So a lot of what goes to Panama isn't intended for there, but it continues on to other destinations, and we don't always know where it goes. But Vortex is also estimating that in September they took a normal amount, which is about 500,000 barrels for the month. Um, by comparison, from March through July, Panama only took 100,000 barrels in total. So it was a huge drop-off. But we're seeing a stabilization, it, it looks like, in flight demand that happened around July and has continued. And we're seeing a bit of a stabilization in overall jet exports week over week that coincides with that. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, and of course, um, jet prices are not only affected by the exports, but we saw U.S. Uh, jet prices continuing to decline 
uh, due to the unpredictability of domestic demand as well. So I have a question as it relates to not only the jet spot price, but the forward curve. Um, can you give us a perspective on that as well, Wendy? Yes, my jet fuel forward curve is for cycle to cycle. And those are about six day cycles, but it has stayed in a really strong backwardation, which backwardation is an indication that the market feels supply is a bit high or at currently, or they don't expect demand to improve going forward, which is obviously true. A few times it's gone flat, but that's been during weeks when the airlines felt optimistic about the recovery in demand. And we've seen that since July, when air travel stabilized and stopped improving and airlines started to um, dig in for the long haul, that the forward curve has moved into a strong backwardation again of almost it's somewhere between a quarter and a full cent per week backwardation. OK, great. Thanks for that. And we know that Jet, of course, is part of the whole middle distillate cut for the refiner. We hear a lot about uh, distillate supply. Can you comment on how the mounting diesel overhang um, is eroding margins in general for refiners and, and how jet fits into that equation? Yes. One thing that's important to note is that the diesel overhang was purposeful. Uh, there began to be a very strong contango in the NYMEX forward structure, which meant with the prices being so low, the best chance of profit was in a storing diesel. And in fact, we saw trading arms of some refiners make record profits in the summer based on riding that contango. So that, that became the big deal. So what happened is, as everyone wanted to store more and more diesel purposely, they wanted to clear their stocks of jet fuel. So you saw people not buying it as they typically would, but actually moving it out of storage. And that, that further depressed demand and and the price as well. So diesel's had a huge effect on it. Yeah, and definitely I think some of the information you've been reporting on clearly states that. So let's move a little bit more to the freight side. I'm going to ask Michael. Wendy did talk about how the change um, in jet fuel export volume has occurred because of COVID-19. Can you comment on whether any specific destinations have been more heavily affected Oh, yes, Luis. Yeah, uh, jet fuel exports out of the U.S. Gulf Coast, they've obviously been hit very hard by the COVID-19 outbreak and subsequent recession. Uh, through the first three quarters of 2020, we saw a 55% drop in total jet fuel exports out of the U.S. Gulf Coast to an average of about 77,000 barrels per day. We saw declines in each of the first three quarters of this year, and the steepest decline occurred in the third quarter. Uh, jet fuel exports fell out of the U.S. Gulf Coast by 74% year, year over year to less than 45,000 barrels per day. Now, in terms of how these uh, drop in volumes have affected specific destinations, we've seen the sharpest decrease in shipments to Mexico, which was the top U.S. jet fuel importer in 2019, when it accounted for about 21% of total volumes in the first three quarters of that year. Mexico has now fallen to the second largest importer in 2020, accounting for less than 10% of the total volumes through the first three quarters of this year. In total, U.S. Gulf Coast to Mexico jet fuel shipments fell by 60% year over year in the first three quarters of 2020. So Canada has uh, now overtaken Mexico as the top destination for U.S. Gulf Coast jet fuel exports this year. Its share has risen from 13% in 2019 to about 19% in 2020, although similar to every other destination, their total volumes uh, of jet fuel imports from the U.S. Gulf Coast are down. They're down about 30 
4% in the first three quarters of this year. And now looking at the totality of Latin America, Central America, which includes the countries of Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, Nicaragua, and Panama. Now, that region was the uh, top importer of U.S. jet fuel last year. It accounted for about 37% of total jet fuel imports, and that share has now fallen to 23% in the first three quarters of this year, and the total volumes to that region are down by 72%. Europe has now overtaken Central America as the top regional importer of U.S. jet fuel. And looking at the totality of Latin America, shares of exports to the Caribbean and South America have been relatively stable year over year, although obviously their total volumes are down. Thanks for that, Michael. That was really interesting. It looks like trade flows and volumes have changed. So just to follow up, What have been the drivers or drivers now for the clean tanker market rates um, as it relates to Is it COVID-19? Is it weather? COVID-19 has been an impact throughout the year. It's uh, weighed on global oil export demand throughout the world. But if you look specifically at the U.S. Gulf Coast in the last two months, uh, rates have stagnated near year-to-date lows because of various hurricanes and tropical storms in the region which have disrupted operations at ports and terminals and weighed on clean product export volumes in the region. Uh, The most severe storm in terms of disrupting the U.S. Gulf Coast clean product exports was Hurricane Laura, which in late August directly hit Houston, Corpus Christi, and surrounding Texas ports. And those ports are the primary export hubs in the U.S. Gulf Coast, accounting for more than 60% of total clean export volumes this year. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, And of course, as you say, the weather related factors do impact um, on these flows. I am curious about one other uh, part of the equation as we see so much additional volume being out in the marketplace and limited demand. Could you comment on how COVID-19 has affected jet fuel floating storage? Yes, uh, currently a little less than 11 million barrels of jet fuel are in floating storage. About 8.5 million of those barrels are floating in European waters. 1.3 million barrels are floating near Asia, and the remaining 350,000 barrels are floating near West Africa. Now, this 11 million figure is down from the peak of more than 20 million barrels, which we saw in mid-August, although volumes have risen significantly from uh, the low this year in mid-February of about 84,000 barrels. Now, the Americas saw small spikes in jet fuel floating storage earlier this year, but currently none of the product is being floated in the region. And if you look at how this has impacted freight rates, uh, actually, U.S. Gulf Coast freight rates on average this year have been stronger than in 2019 because that floating storage demand throughout the summer tightened up a lot of uh, available tonnages of supply. For example, if you look at the U.S. Gulf Coast to Europe, uh, MR tanker rate and MR tankers carry 38,000 ton cargoes. That has averaged $19.78 per ton this year. That's up 42% year over year on average. And the U.S. Gulf Coast to Chile medium range tanker rate has averaged about 1.5 million lump sum, and that's up 26% year over year. Okay, so we can clearly see that this uh, demand destruction for the year has affected refiner operations and also um, storage, as you say, has become very key to the whole marketplace. So great insights, um, Wendy and Michael. Thank you so much for participating uh, in the session. It's been great talking to you. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, Please be sure to tune in for the other episodes in this series. And for more information on Argus jet fuel coverage, please visit www.argusmedia.com forward slash jet dash fuel. Thank you, everyone. 